Amen. Thank you so much for your giving, church. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Tellus Fuller. I'm the youth pastor here on staff, and we are in our second week of our Welcome to Church series. This series started last week with Pastor AJ, and he shared an amazing message, not just welcoming us back into the building of the church, but really, if you heard the message, can you say amen, that he welcomed us to the purpose of the church. Amen? That we're the ecclesia, the called out ones. Every time I say that, I just feel cool. The called out ones, that's who I am. I'm I'm a called out one. Not just called out of something, but called into something. He, he references that it's not just what we do, but it's who we are. That our identity as a people are people who are called out. And now we have the opportunity to help call others out. It's this beautiful representation of the church, and he gives these amazing uh, uh, alliterations. I can't believe he came up with five of them, but he gave these five alliterations about hospitality and generosity and transformation, and, and it was amazing. And this message really wasn't just about focusing on what going to church meant, but being the church is. And us, I want us to, if you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you to listen to that message because that's really going to frame part of what this message is today. He talked about that, and we're not just a building, but we're a body, not just a, a place, but a people, that the church actually is you and I, that we are the church, not 4600 Brookfield Corporate Drive, not Dominion High School, not Capitol Hill even, but we are the church. And with that, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do what the church is supposed to do, be the hope of the world, the light of the world. And before we do that, before we go and do something, I'm always encouraged whenever I read the scriptures because when you read the scriptures, especially with the author that we're about to read from today, the Apostle Paul, what he does is he always tells us who we are before he tells us what we do. Because here's the thing, church, we can get in a lot of trouble reading the Bible in the inverse. Have you done that before? Maybe if if you're like me, you've done that before. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, what does God want me to do? What does he expect of me? Just give me the do's and the don'ts, like Ten Commandments style. Well, he did that one time. It didn't really work for us. (laughs) And Paul, who we're about to read about, is so focused on who we are, the transformation that's happened in our lives that flows into what we do. Because oftentimes we are just a people who just want to be told what to do. Just make it simple. Don't make it too complicated. Pastor AJ's whole message was about encouraging his kids. that it's not just don't do, don't do, don't do, but this is who we are. And maybe I can assume that it takes longer, but it's more fruitful. And, and, And sometimes you might just want a quick fix. But let me tell you something that Jesus quick fixed you at the cross. And now we're being formed into the image of Christ every single day. I don't want you to settle for being found in Christ. I want you to be formed into Christ. It's, it's, it's a really low goal to just be found in Christ. To just say, oh, I prayed the prayer one time. I had the goosebumps at the church camp. Jesus wants us to live, look, and love like him every single day. And sometimes that means that we need to be reminded every single day. We need to go to the cross every single day. What we're going to be talking about this morning 
is uh, maybe a part two to Pastor AJ's message last week. He talked about welcome to church and talking about the purpose of the church. What I want to talk about um, is our newness in Christ. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, just one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What this is right here, I believe, is that this is the Apostle Paul's testimony. This is the Apostle Paul's testimony. That I am not what I once was. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. That the Apostle Paul was made new in Christ. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul, he was a man who was actually persecuting the church. Actually was there at the first martyr of the church. That he was zealous, in his own words, for the persecution of the church. He was going beyond his years and actually attacking the people of God. And he has this incredible encounter with the person of Jesus, sees this vision of God, and his whole life has changed. In the moment and over the course of time. This is the Apostle Paul's testimony that, therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. I'm a, a persecutor turned activist. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. What I want to title this message this morning is Welcome to New. Church, welcome to new. Will you pray with me? Lord, we trust you. And Lord, we love you. We don't want to imagine where we would be without your grace. So Lord, would you be in this place in a unique and a special way? You said where two or more gathers, you'll be in the middle of them. So Lord, would you open our, our, our eyes and our ears to see and to hear everything that you want to speak? Lord, would I decrease and would you increase? God, would we see King Jesus as you are? Would we receive the love of the Father in this moment? Holy Spirit, work your will in this place. Our eyes are open. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open. Lord, Lord, not our will, but yours be done. Father, we need you. Don't let this just be a moment where we feel good and leave. But Lord, change us in this moment. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live, look, and love more like a Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. This actually, uh, I might have told a lie. This verse isn't just the Apostle Paul's testimony. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. It's not just the Apostle Paul's testimony. It's our testimony. Amen? It's my testimony. If you've been with Jesus for any length of time, you can look back and praise God for the person that you're not. 
Now, God, I could have been. And if I was left to myself, I would have been. And the Lord saved me from myself. Not just from the circumstances around me. Not just from the things that I've done. But the person that I was. I couldn't separate myself from my sin. That, 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 that's one of the, the crucial parts about sin is that it's not just that you did sin. It's not just that we it, we're, were expressing sin in our lives when we lied or when we cheated or when we were selfish. But we inherently were children of darkness. That we were sinful beings, not just doing sinful things. And when we understand that, it, it changes our perspective from one verse of saying, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Church, what I want to tell you is if you're in Christ, welcome to new. That you're new. That's what you are. As simply as you were dead in your trespasses, now you are alive in Christ. That's who you are. And when we think about all these, these terms, especially these Christian terms, alive in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, it's so important for us to first find out what does that even mean? What, what, what does it mean? Because Paul gives a, a pretty big if. He says, now, therefore, if anyone is alive in Christ. Now, that if is a big if, because how do I know if I'm alive in Christ? Because that pretty much sets me up for the rest of the verse. How do I know if I'm alive in Christ? You know that you're alive in Christ if everything that you are is everything that he is. If everything that you are is everything that he is Colossians 3, 3 says it like this, that I am hidden in Christ. That there is not much of me to be seen and a whole lot of Christ to be seen. And some of us, when we hear hidden in Christ, we might cringe or maybe we can't associate because we're more so hiding from Christ than hidden in Christ. Just like in the garden. I mean, it's, it's what we do. <laughs> this is who we are. This is, this is the flesh of man that, that we want to be hidden from Christ oftentimes. God, don't look at these parts of my life. Ignore these parts of my life. But when we're hidden inside of Christ, we are fully known and yet fully loved. That there's nothing to hide. And if you came into church feeling like there's a, there's a part of you or, or a section of your life or maybe the weekends of your life that are hidden from God, can I encourage you to let you know that there's a God who knows more about you than you know about yourself? There's a God where you can hide and run all that you want, but he's way better at hide it and seek and tag than you are. That his grace will actually chase you down. That he's actually more powerful than you and his grace is sufficient for you. So all the parts of yourself that you are so tempted and, 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 and look so attractive to hide from God, he's actually saying, those are the parts that I want from you. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means that we're hidden inside of him, that we have nothing to hide, that all I am is all that he is. And, and this mentality, what it really does is, is, is it goes against our culture. 
I mean, our culture is all about like myself and I'm going to promote myself and, and care for myself. I'm not saying self-care is bad, but you get what I'm saying. I'm going to promote myself and I'm going to do what's best for myself and, and I'm going to make sure that I'm exalted and I'm going to pursue what I want to pursue. And, and, and this, 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 this idea really fights against the tendency to make it about us. It, it does. That if we're in Christ, we're this new creation, it fights making it about ourselves because what I've learned is that whatever environment that you are in will either shrink you or grow you, but what it can't do is it can't leave you alone. Whatever environment that you find yourself in right now, it is shrinking you or it's growing you. What environment do you find yourself in? And, and we find ourselves in the culture of the world in Northern Virginia, or maybe if you're watching online, your specific culture. But what we have to do is we have to find that we're in the world and not of it. So we have to find a way to fight against the culture that we're in, the environment that we're in. We are always swimming upstream against culture towards the kingdom to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Not me, not myself, not self-glorification, but actually I'm called to deny myself in order to glorify Christ. That it's, it, it's countercultural the way that we do this. Our culture is obsessed with ourselves and Jesus tells us to deny ourselves. We're, we're in Christ. We're, we're not of ourselves. We're not in ourselves. It's, it's uh, really beautiful. I was at a wedding yesterday, and um, I can't think of, of, of a better human example of being in Christ in this new creation than a really, really great, beautiful Christian biblical marriage. I got to be in this, this wedding, and it was absolutely beautiful. If you're watching, congrats, Philip and Lauren. Love you guys. And they had these two unity candles. You guys know where I'm going with this? Unity candles? What it is is that you have one candle in the middle, and you have two on the sides. This was a beautiful representation, and we see it in the Scripture, but this, this physical representation of what this is, is that you have candles that are lit as they come up to the altar, and the, the bride and the groom are standing there, and, and, the, and the, uh, the, the pastor is there and, and talking them through what marriage is and what it isn't. And it's this beautiful moment, and then they go, and as they're saying their vows, they go and they grab a candle, one grabs the other, and they light the center candle, the unity candle. And when they light the unity candle, this is an example of the two now becoming one. And they blow out their individual candles. And the only candle that remains lit is the candle that they've lit together. Beautiful example. It was an amazing, amazing wedding. And I think that that's similar to what it looks like to be in Christ. A special union in him. That now we are now what we were not before. That the two now no longer are two, but now they're one. And this beautiful representation that the Lord gives us in marriage, that we are now in Christ. And now everything is about, to, is about him. We choose to actually lose ourselves in order to find Christ. Now, we might be asking, okay, this is a lot about in Christ, but what does that mean about being new in Christ? We haven't really touched on the new, and we're going to get to the new, but we can't get to the new until we get to the end because the end is actually the preface for the new. So if we're rushing to the new, just stick with me because we need to be in Christ before we're new in Christ, all right? We need to be in him first. Paul would say it this way. He would say that I have been crucified with him. 
I've been crucified. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. He also says to put off your old self and to put on the new life that you have in Christ. Paul is all about this new versus old, this who I was versus who I am now, this, this darkness and this light, this death and this life. Paul was obsessed with the truth of the gospel and that informed everything that he did. And now Paul is trying to let us know that if you're in Christ, now we can get to the new, that you are a new creation. You're a new creation. I'm going to keep saying it and hopefully we'll get it, that you are a new creation. The word that they use for new here in the New Testament is, is this word that means unprecedented. Unprecedented unprecedented or even unheard of, that you are unprecedented in Christ, that you are unheard of in Christ. I don't know if that is soaked in for you yet, but you in Christ are unprecedented. There has not been what is now. You are entirely new. And now, when we think of this word new, sometimes we can think of it in, in different ways speaking. And the word new, we're not talking about chronology here, about time passing. We're not talking about the, the freshness or the recency of something. It's not chronology. This is, this is condition. I'm not just new chronologically. I'm new conditionally. That I am something that was not before. Because here's the thing, like new in our culture, in our term, is it, we associate it with like a new car, right? That's like, I got it recently. And it's that new car smell, or maybe you have the new clothes and, and you have the new clothes or the new shoes, or maybe even sometimes we could say like the new spouse or the new boyfriend or the new girlfriend. And, and when it's new, it's great, right? Like we love the new stuff, but the issue with the new stuff is that new stuff inevitably becomes old stuff. Always. In our world, when we think about new, the best new thing that you recently had soon will become old. That's just the way that it works. And we can enjoy it while it's new for a moment. And we do. And some of us enjoy it maybe for the length of the time. Maybe we say, no, I like the old stuff. Actually, the vintage is better. I don't know where that accent came from, but apparently that's my old person accent. <laughs> but we, we, we kind of don't associate that new in our world becomes old. And it can be new for a moment, but inevitably it's, it's going to be old. But the beautiful thing is that Newness in the kingdom stays new in the kingdom. If you were saved last week or saved when you were in diapers, you are new. This newness is not speaking chronologically that I was new recently and now I've been getting old. You're new. Whether you got saved today or whether you are sa you've been saved and you've been alive for twice as long as I have, you are new. And new in the kingdom does not get old. That's a fresh perspective because Jesus does not see you as getting old. 
You are new in the kingdom. You are unprecedented. Every single day you can wake up with a newness in life and say, I am not what I was. I'm new in Christ. And this is not talking, when we, when we say new, I'm not saying that like we're always perfect. We're not a church filled with perfect people. We are a church filled with new people. People who have been transformed by the grace of God. And here's the thing, guys. You might not be where you want to be, but can you just praise God that you're not where you used to be? By the grace of God. I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not perfect. I'm not where I think I should be. I'm not where I could be. I know there are a lot of things I need to work on. And some of us need to really devote ourselves to God in the season of life. But I thank God for his grace that I'm not where I used to be. That he's made me new in Christ. This is what I call the, the tension of transformation. The tension of, of transformation, that we are, we are transformed, we are fully new in Christ, and we're in the process of fully realizing it. We're, we're being sanctified, and, and yet we are fully righteous. It's, it's, it's this, this amazing tension of transformation that we see. And, and, and if you want to be transformed, don't you ever avoid the tension. I mean, we know this from just physical uh, uh, athleticism, right? Working out in the gym. That if you go to the gym and you avoid tension, guess what? You're avoiding growth. And the same is true in life. When we avoid tension in life, I'm not saying we look for trouble. I'm saying when we avoid trouble, when we're trying to make life as easygoing as possible, when we avoid tension, we're avoiding growth. And there's a tension of transformation that God uses to make us more like Jesus. And if you want to be transformed, there has to be and there will be tension. We have gotten so used to being comfortable and we need to get used to being uncomfortable. And I'm not, say, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying make your life miserable on purpose. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is an uncomfortability in denying yourself that you should get used to day in and day out. The tension of not doing what you want to do. The tension of submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area. The tension of actually putting somebody else first. The tension of forgiving somebody who doesn't deserve it. The tension of being generous when you feel like God is withholding from you. The tension of loving somebody you don't feel like needs to be loved. The tension of still sacrificing for your spouse, even though they've been getting on your nerves. There's a tension that comes in transformation. And we have to get comfortable because we, we see tension as like a sign to stop. It's like, oh no, when tension, when, when, when difficulty comes, we say, no, that can't be God. We, we have to stop. But if you read your Bible, all of these men and women experience tension. And that was usually from God. Tension is, is necessary for growth, this newness in life. I don't want to grow in the, abset, in the absence of tension, the, 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 like that, that I have no resistance in life because that's actually where God is going to make me new. In this new, then Paul goes into, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. The old is passed away. The old is passed away. I love that Paul says the old is passed away and not that the old is gone or the old is forgotten or the old is 
disappeared or ran away. Because I know myself, if the old was just gone, I would look for the old. <laughs> Actually, let's be honest, I still sometimes look for the old. But Paul says that the old has passed away. I really feel like some of us need to bury our olds. Like have a funeral for them. We've, we've kept the door cracked way too often and way too long to our old life. And, and Paul is saying through the power of the Holy Spirit that, and no, you can't find it. It's gone. It's dead. The old you is no place to be found. The old has actually passed away. And Paul is giving us this intense and extreme language because I really believe that we need to understand, we need to know that that life is no longer accessible to us. It's not an option anymore. It's dead. This new life is received on top of the grave of the old life. And now we have the opportunity to live in this new life. That's what, that's, I really believe why Paul is giving us such, such strong language. I, I think that some of our biggest issues sometimes in following Jesus is that we try and live this new life old ways. We try and live this new, grace-given, God-given, heavenly life in old, selfish, worldly me-centered ways. You know, even that part of you has died. You don't, here's the beautiful thing, guys. It's not just that, that you don't have the option to live that way anymore. I want to free you and say, you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to be self-centered anymore. You don't have to prefer yourself. You don't have to be unforgiving. You don't have to be selfish. You can actually be generous. And I don't mean to insult your intelligence and to insinuate that you didn't know that, but I want to give you permission in Christ to be new and to put away the old. You don't have to live that way anymore. I, I um, you guys ever had like a first car and by first car, I mean like a horrible first car. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. I had a horrible first car, but it builds character. Everybody should have a horrible first car. My horrible first car was a, was a Honda Accord, this like bright red Honda Accord past it. Like all, most of my brothers had it. Right. And, um, I got it like at its tail end of its life. It was, it was limping to say the best. And um, this car, I was in, it was the car where you were embarrassed to pick people up in. Um, I called it Big Red. It was tiny. I don't know why I did that. I called it Big Red. And this car, uh, the, like, the, the gas gauge wasn't trustworthy. I said that my car had the hiccups because when it drove, it was like, and it like was not a stick shift, so it should not do that. My, uh, <laughs> the AC did not work. So if you were in my car in the summer, windows down, baby, whether you like it or not. The floor also was always wet in the summer. Like I don't, I literally, there was a time, I, I was like, was it raining overnight? I'd put a towel on the floor 
just to make sure. And when I came the next morning, underneath the towel, it was wet. It was like Gideon when he was like, God, make it wet on the, like make it the dew wet on the fleece. It was like, but it wasn't a miracle. It was, a, it was definitely a curse. And it was the weirdest thing. I still to this day don't know why it was so wet. Um, and eventually that car died. God rest his soul. And when that car died, um, I eventually got a new car, a, a used car, but to me it was new, right? And I remember like every time I'd go to this new car, I still had like the PTSD from my old car. And I was like, okay, we smell good. We smell good. And I would like not trust the gauge cluster and like the gas. And I'd be like, I don't know if that's still going to work. And the AC, I was always surprised when it worked and when it actually turned on and my floor was dry and I was like, this is the best, like, does everyone live like this? <laughs> like, where have I been? And this was like the best thing in the world to me. And, and it was like this, this, this uh, uh, new life that I've been living in. And, and, and I realized that while I was uh, uh, enjoying the benefits of this new used car, I realized that I was actually living in this new car with an old car mindset. And some of us, I think, in the same way, we're living in this new life with an old life mindset. That we're, we know what it was, and now we're expecting, oh man, and we all of a sudden expect to be selfish. And we expect to be defensive. And we expect to clap back at somebody. And we always prefer ourselves. In, and it's almost like our natural reaction. We don't even think about it, but our natural reaction to live in this new place in old ways and let me tell you something, guys, that that, that has been freed. You, it's off your shoulders. That's not a weight that you have to carry anymore. Maybe that's you today. You've been given new life, but you're still living it in old ways. That you have peace that passes understanding, but you can't quit being anxious. That you know that the Lord says to forgive those who persecute you, but you can't seem to let go of the bitterness. That you know that God has called you to live in purity, but impurity seems like it's just the new normal. That we have been given this new life in Christ, and all of a sudden we're still living it in old ways. It's like we're living in new habitats with old habits. And I want to say, if that's you in this room, there is grace for you. There's grace for you. That God can change you. He can make you new. I hardly think about my floor anymore. And I don't know what my wet floor is to you, but God has grace for you. To bring you not just to a new place, a new condition, but actually a new lifestyle. That we don't have to live this new life old ways. If I can give you one tip in Colossians 3 verse 1 through 3. We can't go there together, but I'll just read it for you. It says this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is actually hidden in Christ with God. Seek your, seek the things above and, and set your mind on it. This, this beautiful passage. And what I've realized from this passage right here, if you're in a place where you're in a new habitat, but living with old habits, I want to help you and say, 
Set your mind on things above and seek Christ. Because what I've learned while following Jesus is you look like what you look at. Some of us look at our problems a lot and we end up being a problem. Some of us look at our issues a lot and we wonder why we're so anxious. Some of us can't stop watching the news and we wonder why we're so fearful. Have you noticed that? That you look like what you look at. That your life goes in the direction of your gaze. And the gospel of Jesus has freed us from that mentality. If Stephen can come up, we'll end real quickly. Because there is a one more point that, that I want to hit with us before we get there. That, that when we are putting our old life away and we're putting on this new life in Christ, it's not just simply that we have now had this new life and, 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 and we can just say, oh, now like Jesus here, you can come along for the ride. Because it's never been and Jesus. Our lives were never meant to be me, what I want to do, my habits, my lifestyle, and Jesus. Our lives have been swallowed up in Jesus. And now there is nothing left of me because it's passed away. And when we start to just add Jesus, add scripture, add church, add prayer, add all of these things onto the mess of the life that we're still trying to live in, even though we've been delivered from, we're not living in the new. We're just stacking onto the old. That Jesus has given us new life to be, to be completely different from. And that's why Paul says the new has come. The new, is, the new has come. It's, it's one of these that when I grew up, when growing up, it was, I'm not that old, but whatever. <laughs> when I was in school, I really wanted to be an actor. That was my dream. I thought I was going to do it. This story for another time, but God just changed my plans to the glory of God. Didn't like it in the moment. Love it now. And in acting, there's this term called typecasting. And what typecasting is, is that there's an actor who fits a certain type of role. And what they do is that when casting agents come, they continuously cast that actor in that role. That's why you see uh, uh, your favorite comedian in all of the comedy movies. Or you see Jennifer Aniston in a bunch of rom-coms. Or you see Samuel L. Jackson in all of the action movies. Or you see, uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Who's John Wick and Neo? What's his name? Keanu Reeves in all the action movies, right? And there's a reason why you don't see Samuel L. Jackson in romantic comedies. <laughs> right? It's because he's been typecast into a certain role. The new has come. The enemy would love for nothing more than you to typecast yourself into sin. For you to say, this is just the role that I play. This is just the issue that I have. This is just the thing that I'm stuck with. This is just who I am. God did certain things in my life 
And to that I'm thankful, but there's just parts where sin and the enemy has typecasted me into selfishness. That it seems that I'm always the perfect candidate for the role of envy. I can't seem to stop playing in movies of lust. And we are typecasted. And eventually what happens is that we, we end up typecasting ourselves into those roles. And we start looking like what we look at. And all of a sudden, we, we know that we are new, but we don't feel new, and we don't live new, and we don't act new. But I want to share a verse with you. It says in Lamentations that his mercies are what? New every morning. That the Lord has given you a new mercy today. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord has given you a new mercy today. The beauty of the, whew, the beauty of the gospel is that you don't have to be who you've always been. Who you've always been does not have to be who you'll always be. Because of the grace of Jesus and his mercies are new every morning. If you're in Christ, church, you're new. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. Is that he took our old and he gave us something new. It's that he it wasn't that he overlooked the old. It would be much easier for my heart and my mind to comprehend that he overlooked the old. But he didn't overlook the old. He took on our old. It says in, it says in this same chapter, actually, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In church, if you leave with anything, I want you to know that there is a new life for you to live in Christ. That who you've always been doesn't have to be who you'll always be. And that his mercies are new for you every morning. There's a new life for you. And it was given by the death of Jesus on that rugged cross. It was paid for with the blood of Jesus. And because of that, I'm new. I'm the church and I'm new. I'm found in Christ and I'm new. I don't have to be who I was. I'm new. I, I, I'm, I'm unprecedented in Christ. I'm a new creation. And now in Christ, I get the opportunity to show others what newness looks like. I am grace on display. And now everybody that sees me gets not to see the old person that I was, but the new person, the new creature that I am in Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you glory. God, we praise you in this place for making us new. Not for just ignoring the old. Casting it aside and saying we're going to turn a blind eye to that. But that Lord, 
You took on our old at the cross. You brought beauty from ashes. You brought life from death. You brought light out of darkness. And Lord, we are, we are trophies of your grace. Lord, thank you for your mercy to make us new and your spirit that empowers us to live that way every day.